With the spike in anti-Asian violence and racism during the COVID-19 pandemic, organizations like Stop AAPI Hate and Asian American Scholars are looking to the history of discrimination against Asian and Pacific Islander people in American history. Not only this, but speech targeting China as a source of the pandemic by Donald Trump, as well as President Biden's own tough-on-China economic stance, is seen as adding fuel to such racism. Dr. Diane Fugino is a professor of Asian American Studies at UCSB, whose research focuses on Asian American and Black radicalism in social movements. My conversation with Dr. Fugino began with the topic of invisibility, a key component of the Asian experience of discrimination in the U.S. This led to a discussion of the model minority stereotype. Asian Americans have really been um, rendered invisible for a long time. Um, and, you know, we hardly see anything, any attention to issues impacting Asian American communities. And um, part of this has to do with the creation of the model minority image and logic, which is that, right, uh, allegedly a community that despite disadvantages has been able to rise up in society and has done so through education and hard work and significantly not through resistance. And so it dismisses resistance um, and the necessity in my mind of dissent because I think so many of the gains that we've made have come through protest and through organizing social movements. Um, and it also, the model minority not only invisibilizes anti-Asian racism and social problems within Asian America, it also creates problems with, uh, uh, creates divisions with other communities with whom we might be allies. And it also was used, it, it emerged popularly in the, it emerged in the late, right after World War II, but it emerges popularly in 1966 at the moment when the black movement turns to black power and it is used to also discipline black radicalism. And so I think that this is exactly some of the problem that has emerged is that, you know, until the most recent moment, the kinds of violence and racisms impacting Asian American communities has largely gone unreported by the mainstream media and unnoticed by many, including those wanting to provide kind of interventions. And it, this is a really unprecedented moment in terms of attention to violence and racism against Asian American communities. When asked about the history of anti-Asian racism, including the Chinese Exclusion Act and the Japanese internment camps during World War II, she went on to further describe the impact of anti-Asian racism by U.S. lawmakers. And what you're doing is naming legal instances of anti-Asian racism implemented, right, by the U.S. Congress, for example, in terms of the Chinese Exclusion Act of 1882, right, which was the first act to explicitly name and target a single group for exclusion, right? This was legal racial profiling and very explicit racial profiling, right? Then against Japanese Americans, um, because Japan was a stronger, ha had more, had a stronger global power than China at the time. We're talking about late 1800s, early 1900s. And so, the discrimination, the legal discrimination against Japanese Americans came 
largely through uh, a status of quote unquote aliens ineligible to citizenship. Japanese and Chinese and others were denied eligibility to naturalized citizenship. And so rather than saying Japanese Exclusion Act, the 1924 Immigration Act excluded Japanese, um, complete ban on Japanese American immigration and anyone else who were quote unquote aliens ineligible to citizenship. But I think what's important about what you noted in this, including Filipinos, right, and, and the U.S.-Philippine War and the war in Vietnam and the war in Korea, right, is that, you know, these are geopolitical motivations that are motivating the kinds of violence and the kinds of racism that then impact Asians in the United States. Dr. Fujino also emphasized on the problematic nature of the term hate crime, as well as the need to oppose both state-sanctioned and individual acts of violence. Lately, people are talking about hate crimes. Mm -hmm. And while there is a usefulness in that term, right, and I remember in the aftermath of the Vincent Chin killing the, in the early 80s, the most famous case of anti-Asian violence, came the hate crime legislation, which did useful work in terms of linking crime, if you will, to bigoted motivations, right? But I think that there's real critique in this term, and I think it's become a problematic term in the sense of locating the problem within individuals, right? Within individual attitudes and um, feelings, rather than looking structurally, right? So as we were just talking about, so much of the problems that emerge um, result in uh, come from U.S. militarism abroad, which has impacts directly on Asians in the United States, from policing of, I would, Black communities, which also impacts policing of Asian American communities. And we have these state-sanctioned forms of violence that need to be uh, understood and opposed um, in addition to individual acts of violence. Talk then turned to the way U.S. leaders approach international relations with Asian countries and how it affects the Asian experience in America, especially through Trump's label of COVID as the Chinese virus and President Biden's tough-on-China economic stance. When uh, leaders on high uh, enable or sanction or promote, right, embolden um, white supremacists, language and actions, this is what happens. And this is some of what we we're seeing happen, especially under Trump, right? Mm -hmm. But, you know, the kinds of ongoing um, views of China right now and the economic competition between the U.S. and China that's happening in this moment, right, is fueling um, anti-Asian violence, absolutely. And this, this is the context in which, right, the Vincent Chin murder emerges in Detroit in 1982, which was a period in which, right, Detroit's a center of the U.S. auto industry, and the early 80s was a period in which the Japanese economy was expanding and um, uh, growing very strongly, and um, people in Detroit were blaming Japan for the decline in the U.S. auto industry as the Japanese auto industry was growing. It was beyond Detroit. It was a moment when uh, Americans were angry with Japanese for gobbling up 
buying U.S. land, right, even though British and Canadians and others owned more U.S. land than Japanese, but the Japanese were targeted in, in racial ways, right? Um, and so two unemployed, well, one unemployed, one employed auto workers in Detroit, two white men, a father, stepson, teen, um, targeted Vincent Chin, actually chased after him, and um, the father had the stepson hold Vincent Chin while the father swung at him with a baseball bat to his head at full force, the witnesses said, like he was going to make a home run. And um, yeah, so, so we have to understand the geopolitics as well as the individuals who are implicated in these actions. In terms of solutions, she discussed mutual aid projects and institutional changes that would put money into social services and underfunded communities. She also highlighted different groups putting work into supporting Asian communities. There are people trying to pass hate crime legislation, right? The um, George Floyd Act, right? But the, the, the op-eds have been written saying that the George Floyd Act wouldn't have even saved George Floyd's life, right? He was not killed by a chokehold, for example. And so people want to rush to these things, but ultimately what I think we need most, right, given my critiques of hate crimes, if you will, we need massive resources funneled into building the infrastructure so that people are never set on the path to prisons, so that people are never put in the harm's way of policing or other types of violence. And I think that so much of this, you know, um, we, we need things like mental health services, we need um, housing, adequate housing, we need meaningful and well-paid jobs, we need free education for all, right? And I think that if we have an attention to, right, ecologically sustainable modes of living and, 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 and being and producing, and I think if these things happened, you know, it wouldn't make violence, I don't think it would erase violence completely, but I think it would change it substantively. And if we put resources into things like mental health emergency interventions um, under the auspices of social workers, right, who are trained to intervene rather than the police. I mean, it's very clear to me that we want to oppose resources going to the police to do these kinds of programs. And we want these programs developed outside of the realm of police departments and put in the hands and with proper training of people like social workers. Or like I loved in Oakland, right, when there were attacks on Chinese and Asian elderly people, young people just took it in their hands to just go and begin to escort, right, compassion in Oakland. And um, these are the kinds of things that we can do as mutual aid projects that we as ordinary people can just take on and develop. And then we also will need um, institutions and governments and I think corporations to fund the kinds of programs and projects that make it possible, that, that would offset the kinds of violence that we're seeing. I think it would, it would help with so many of the people that we're hearing about have mental health um, issues, right? Um, it would help there. Um, people who have jobs and housing and, and other kinds of feeling secure, not feeling resentful against people who are immigrants or people of color. I think it would make such a difference. 
I just want to um, raise up certain groups that are doing really good work here, right? So the Asian Americans Advancing Justice, if you check out their website, they have ways to intervene um, that, that, that align with the kinds of things I'm saying, right? There's bystander training that's on camp, on, online that people are talking about. There's Asian American and Black feminist resources. Um, there's a lot of things that we can read and learn and study. Um, and there's the AAPI hate um, site. So we can report these um, instant, instant incidents that happen. Thank you to Dr. Diane Fugino at UCSB for speaking with me. You can find out more information about some of the organizations mentioned by Dr. Fugino by visiting advancingjustice-aajc.org or stopaapihate.org. With KCSB News, I'm Aubrey Valerio.